Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Welcome back to the studio, Stan Garfield. He is a knowledge management author, speaker, and community leader based in Northville, Michigan. He has worked in the field of KM for 23 years. Stan holds a BS in Applied Mathematics and Computer Science from Washington University in St. Louis, and he leads the SIKM Leaders Community with 800 members globally and is invited to present at numerous conferences. Stan, what is the most difficult thing, do you think, when you talk of an organization not just gathering their information, but making it transportable or transferable? Well, I think they tend to think in the short term rather than the long term. So there's efforts to put content out on, let's say, some sort of repository or using a particular product or tool. Mm. But the kind of things that often get forgotten are the people that will be involved who will look after or curate or steward content for a long haul, uh, platforms that change, uh, come and go, become obsolete, disappear, programs that come and go. So a knowledge management program is in existence, and then it's not what happens to all the content that was created during its existence. And then in the long term, when we think about knowledge retention, that's something that comes up a lot. People talk about what are we going to do with people retiring? There's been talk about that probably for the last 10, 15 years. I'm not sure that anybody's really dealt with it very well. You certainly can't deal with it at the last moment by Mm -hmm. saying, oh, quick, people are retiring tomorrow. Let's gather all their knowledge today. (laughs) But yet people have tried that. So I think there's a lot of long-term thinking that either people avoid because they don't know what to do about it or they just forget Mm -hmm. to deal with it or they just don't think, you know, I don't don't need to worry about anything that's going to happen after I'm gone. I won't care. Right. You won't care. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Let somebody else worry about it. To me, there's a stick point because this is a personality thing, right? Try, what do I do with all this stuff? I guess in, in the days before digital, the days before internet, you would come across maybe a shoebox or notes or letters or things. And it's like, what do you do with all that information? Uh, now that we're in the digital age, is it any easier? Well, in theory, it could be easier because the content can be easily copied and put in various places, but I think it's not necessarily mm. easier. It could be harder because if you think about it, in the days of physical files, if somebody left a job or died or moved on uh, and they didn't take the files with them, then someone could come look in a file cabinet that belonged to them and they, there would be the files. So it would be physically obvious and it could be taken and dealt with. In the electronic era, you're not always sure what exists, where it is, how to get to it. There could be access problems, passwords. So in theory, if you've gone about thinking about this and you've set it up right, it would be easier. Like if I tell you, here's the location of my files, here's the password, then you can access them. If I've made a backup copy, that's probably even better than if you had physical files that could be damaged or, or lost. But in reality, I think that's seldom dealt with. So, so the files just sort of sit out there, and, and the mm. fact that you can't find them means that this, it's the same as if they didn't exist. You can't make a treasure map and just put the X here without giving any more details of how to get there uh, because it it's not easy. And, you know, it's almost funny because when you said that about where it is, how do I get in, you know, there's, there's parts of that mechanic part that are innate 
to the person that has access, right? Oh yeah, I just go here. I have this on my desktop or the shortcuts or whatnot. But if you don't map it for the next person, you're right. It's going to be tough trying to find this information. That's right. And it also is definitely true when you talk about processes that people follow. If you've ever tried to document a process that you know how to do so that someone else can follow it, it turns out to be a lot more involved than you think. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. You you, you kind of forget what you already know, right? You're like, well, yeah, I just do this. Well, yeah, I don't know how to do that. And the password's already (laughs) saved and I just click on it. I do. (laughs) And and now if someone else coming to do it, for instance, they'd have to know how to even get into the laptop. If there's a pin, do they even know how to get past that? Once they get there, how do they find it within the laptop? What's the name that you used? Where would it be mm-hmm. stored? These are all things that I don't think that many people think about. So it, you know, having, having lived through uh, going through programs that have come and gone, I've seen this happen where I left a company where I was leading a successful KM program, and then I'm gone. And the people who take over may not have any ability to carry on the work that I started because they may have deleted my account and all of the files and data that I had put there are gone, or they don't know how to find it, or, or any of, of the above. So it dies, even though it didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I've tried to take my content with me. Now, that means being conscious of that. Let me make a copy of everything that was residing on the laptop that was owned by the company, but I'm going to put it on my personal one so that it can live on. But a lot of people don't even get a chance to do that. Yeah. And where a lot of people get into trouble, and I was personally guilty of this as well, is if you ever relied on your company email to be your email account, <laughs> you get a rude awakening yeah. and you left. All of a sudden, you didn't exist. You couldn't communicate with anyone. So if you go through that once, you kind of learn, all right, well, don't rely on that anymore. Keep your own email and therefore you won't lose everything. But I lost, you know, mm. generations of, of mail that was gone because I left a company. Yeah. And I think I think there's a larger problem of just where does content reside for the long haul? How does it last? What backup copies are made? Who knows about it? Who can do something with it? These are all relevant. Even if you gave a pointer to content, it wouldn't necessarily mean that people would know what to do with that content. To me, there's like a, there's an enterprise challenge because this is still an enterprise issue mm-hmm. uh, regardless, I think, because individuals still run their own PC or laptop. Or I think there's part of that that still is an issue, but there's also a personal issue, right? A personal, your own personal life, your own personal passwords, accounts, all that sort of thing. So there's a couple of layers here. What would you attack first? What would you suggest to people to look at first? Well, I think from a personal point of view, you look at what content do you have, where is it, who knows about it and get access to it, and what backups exist. I've had platforms that I've had content on disappear on me multiple times, and if you've ever lived through that where a platform that you relied on is suddenly gone, that can be a jarring experience. So you want to make sure you have multiple copies. You want to have it in places that can really be found. You want backups to exist not just on your laptop or in your home, but to be somewhere else, like in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And you want to have sure, make sure that people that you respect and trust know about this, and if there's any access that they need, including passwords, account yeah. names, that you provide that to them. And if you do all of those things, and you have backups for everything, and you have people that can back up you, then I think that's on the personal level what you need to do. At the organization level, you need to do similar things, but you also have larger issues there about how does the organization deal with anyone you know, who has important knowledge leaving the organization at any time. And that's where knowledge retention programs come in, where you need to start thinking about that way in advance of that happening, mm-hmm. saying, uh, how are we going to make a, an attempt to at least 
get what we can that could involve you know, recording them, videos, written documents, interviews, files that they then annotate and explain what they are, processes that they explain how they, they do. You know, there's a lot of things that you could do if you had enough time. You could have an apprentice work with someone so they learn how to do their job and find out the stuff, the tricks that they, that they used. Uh, so that's, a, that's an even different challenge at an organizational level. At a personal level, you might say, well, if I'm gone, the only people who will miss me would be a few relatives or whatever. But <laughs> in a company, if a key person leaves, you know, it can really mess up things badly. That is a definite pain point, and I've seen it in a lot of different industries, and it seems to be dealt with in a lot of different ways. To the value point of what you get out of it seems to be varied also, especially in an enterprise level. You know, the exit survey, things like that. Uh, but when you were talking about the passwords and, you know, how you do things uh, yourself personally, either personally or within the enterprise, and I know you had talked about this before, like an archaeological mentality of trying to figure out what the artifacts are and all that, it almost sounds like you could have the opportunity where instead of doing a knowledge map or a knowledge audit per person, maybe just do a sit down to map the process of how they get there, depending on the technology background that's providing the enterprise, that could all be pre-programmed or hardwired in to where it records steps and procedures automatically. But for a small company, it's still going to be a challenge. You know, another thing that comes into play is when systems get migrated. Um, I used to think that some of the companies I worked at, they spent more of their time and energy just on migrating from one version of, of SharePoint to another, you know, then they weren't actually making any improvement or making life better, just they used up all their time and energy on that. But what happens when you migrate from one uh, platform to another? Let's say you moved, you know, from a completely different vendor. Often you don't migrate all the content. You just, you know, you migrate something or maybe nothing, and you just start up fresh. And all that was there c can be lost. And if you do that multiple times, the entire history of, you know, of content could either be lost or inaccessible or incompatible, or you might go back and find that, you know, it got deleted. Uh, it was automatically <laughs> deleted because it expired. A lot of things that could happen. Sure. Uh, I found that, that, that companies often struggle with how to deal with time. They, they have policies sometimes that say if a document's older than 90 days, uh, remove it or archive it to some off-site storage or something like that where you can't get at it readily. I found that to be a problem because there's often content that can be very, very old, could still be very valuable or important. And if you arbitrarily say, well, it's 90 days old, so get rid of it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's actually the opposite of knowledge management. That's that's losing knowledge that you already had captured. So I think you mentioned the term archaeology. I've been trying to essentially perform that in the work that I've been doing in writing my Profiles in Knowledge series, where I document the work of individual thought leaders in knowledge management. I've done 50 of them now. And in many cases, their content hasn't been curated by them. They may have a website or they may not, but if they have a website, they may only have some other content there, and there may be lots more of it that they never bothered to collect. My efforts, I not only go out and collect it and find it, which is sort of a searching and looking through information exercise, but there's also instances where their content isn't online anymore, but I can find it in the Internet Archive and bring it back to life. So it's an interesting thing to kind of bring back useful information that's long since been lost, the website was no longer maintained, or whatever happened, and try to bring it back. And I find it's still relevant and important, but you know, it's just it's been neglected or it's been lost or the person died or there are a lot of things that have happened. You, you just had a recent bout with this. Tell me about okay. the SIKM challenge you just recently had. So the SIKM Leaders Community is a community that I've been leading since uh, 2005. 
We've had a monthly call every month since it was started. And among the things that we learned along the way, uh, the platform on which the calls were recorded kept changing. Uh, One time we had a platform that suddenly disappeared. We lost all the recordings that had been stored there. Um, Just recently we had to migrate the platform. It had been based on Yahoo Groups, and we got a very short notice that Yahoo Groups weren't going to be providing the same functionality with about a month's notice. And we had to move it to another platform, Groups.io. I think this is the sort of thing that you will you will find. I've lived through that before with my blogs, where the platform they were based on would suddenly be gone. And if you don't anticipate that and plan for it, you can get burned. So we actually anticipated this with the Yahoo groups because we had started to see their performance degrade. So we had asked the community what they wanted to do, and they had suggested some options. And groups.io was actually a suggestion from one of the members. And when we checked it out, it seemed like a good one, and, and we were able to successfully migrate there. But if you hadn't been thinking about that and planning for it, you could find yourself suddenly in a case where all of the content, in some cases, there's communities that have content longer than 14 years that have lost all of it. So that's something that can be frightening if you think about all the great conversations that we had over the years. So we were fortunately able to move it over. But in the process, I'm also migrating the, uh, the links to the old calls. We have a database that has, for every one of the calls, the information about it and a link to the post where it's discussed. And so that has to be updated to put the links to the new uh, platform. In the process, when I go through and update it, I found one of the uh, presentations by a speaker who had a link to her website. When I clicked on that website, I found it was no longer there. And I, uh, I sent her an email. I said, what happened to your website? And she said she had let it go. She had retired it, and she was about to retire. And all of her content was just going to be lost, mm. which I think was unfortunate. But I, I was able to find it in the Internet Archive and and continue to link to it. But that's the kind of thing that will happen where people won't think about their legacy, right? They'll just think, yeah. well, I'm not working anymore. Who cares? But they don't realize other people do care. They wrote a lot of good things in their career. Maybe that's the double-edged sword of the simplicity and ease in which self-publication is now available. You're talking about the individual casualness of content. Oh, so there's this uh, almost a throwaway uh, mentality. Well, I just, I generated a story on LinkedIn or I posted it on my, on my blog. And maybe the, the goodness and essence of the quality and the value that's intrinsic to the message. Once that person hits the brakes and says, Oh, I'm retired. No, but you know, whatever, I'm going to go fishing and they just lose interest in it. But the value's still there. It almost calls for an opportunity for Pioneer Knowledge Services to maybe be that clearinghouse of, hey, are you tired of managing your own stuff? Talk to us. You know, maybe that's an opportunity. Yeah, I think it is. I think people, uh, if they were offered that, might say, okay, I'm going to let this site go. But before I do, let me get turn it over to you. And then that way it could live on without them having to spend uh, time, money, yeah. energy on it. And I'm sure there's a number of cases that, that would apply. And then uh, you've brought up the question of succession planning. Uh, I think that that's a reasonable question for those of us that have been writing and speaking and doing this for a while, is that we should think about what happens to our content when we're no longer here. And at least in my case, I would like it to live on and still be of value to people. So to me, it's a reasonable question to ask and something to plan for. Mm -hmm. What would be your next step in that planning? Well, the first thing I think everybody should do who's got content is to have at least more than one copy of it. So I started putting a copy of all of my blog posts on more than one platform, which allow it to survive the loss of any one platform. So I would start with that. Second thing, I would try to curate all your content and think about what else do I have out there. 
If you've been interviewed on a program like this and the podcast exists elsewhere, you can still have a link to that on your own site. So try to try to think about what is all the content that's ever been generated that you're involved in, not just what you've published, and, and try to bring that together. And then think about who would you like to have as sort of a steward of that. Give them uh, information about where your content resides. If they need information on accounts and passwords, give them that. And then have the explicit understanding that you know they're empowered mm-hmm. to uh, take over your content when you're gone. Well, thank you very much, Stan, for this expertise sharing, and I wish you all the best success. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution, Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.